This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, so we will continue on this teaching in Matthew chapter 5, again, the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we're doing a verse-by-verse study in the book of Matthew chapter 5, and it's just been outstanding. Again, make sure that you are gleaning from the things that have already been taught, because we're just flowing from that flow that's already been laid down already. You know, that flow is speaking that, hey, Jesus the King is talking to us. Not only He's talking to us, He's teaching us about the Kingdom of Heaven. What an honor and a privilege to be able to hear from the Master, hear from the King. You know, out of his own mouth about the kingdom of heaven. And as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, he showed us already in the Beatitudes, there's certain characteristics that we need to be demonstrating and living by. And as citizens, we are in that blessed state. And again, everybody got excited about those things, about being in a blessed state, by just by being in the kingdom of heaven. Again, talking about how good God is. And so my portion of this teaching has really been dealing with Matthew 5, starting from verse 33 to chapter 6, verse 18, and we'll get a little, a little further to this evening, hopefully. Um, for, as far as review, let's go to Matthew 5, and let's just pick up, let's just do something a little different. Let's start at verse number 1. Matthew 5, verse 1, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up in the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost his Savior, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of man. And ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse 17. Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. So whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them to same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, sometimes it's good to start from the beginning and just bring forth that continuity. Because again, from my point, we picked up it, you know, we talked about how we got into that place where they took a turn around the law, Right? And the law is a standard of God's righteousness. It is God's standard for righteousness. Right? And we've been teaching about this. And, and then in order for, the, in order for the, the order of the kingdom is not in the law, but it is found in righteousness. And then we talk about what God's intent is for the law. How the law is reveals that man is in sin and is guilty of sin and is guilty before God. But the law brings us to Christ. It shows that we need a Savior. That we're justified by faith in Him. And so in Matthew 5 and 17 through 19 and into verse 20, we talked about how <clears throat> not any of this law shall pass away till it all be fulfilled. 
And we talked about the word fulfill and the fulfillment of the law. Fulfill means to show full intent and where it leads to. And where the law leads to is Christ. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believeth. And when we talked about how the fulfilling of the law can be summed up in two commandments. And we saw those commandments in Matthew 22. Right? Those two commandments are love thy, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see that therefore love is, love is the fulfilling of the law. Right? And then we talk about your neighbor. We talk about, well, well how do you love your neighbor, right? And we say your love for your neighbor is out of a heart of compassion that is pure towards them. A heart that is seeking the same purpose that God wants for them. And then we say, who is your neighbor? And these scriptures begin to enlighten those things and show these things about your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your family members. They are your neighbor. And then tonight we're going to see that you have another neighbor that you must have compassion for. All right, so then from my teaching, we picked up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, and we started talking about what the law said around oath-taking. Right? And then the Lord was very clear that we should not swear by his name not swear at all, but let your nay be nay and your yea be yea. That means those that are in the kingdom of heaven, what you say you're going to do, do it. That means we should be keeping our, our, our commitments. We should be keeping our vows. We should be keeping what we said we're going to do. That is our responsibility as a believer. Right? Let your truth be coming from your, out of your mouth and let you not lie. And there's no need to swear about it because guess what? You're going to do it. Right? And then the things we swear about, we say we don't even have authority over, over those things that we swear about. So let your simple affirmation of yes or no should be suffice. Right? And then we got into last week in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. And we'll read that. It says, Ye have heard that it has been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy, <clears throat> thy coat, let him thy, thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to them that ask of thee. From him that would borrow thee, turn not away. And so Jesus now is teaching us about retaliation. And how we ought to respond being in the kingdom of heaven. And this retaliation is talking about the law uh, of a retaliation. Where the punishment resembles the offense committed in kind and, and degree. And we call that lex telionis. That's how that law of retaliation is. That means I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to give you back what you've given to me. That's the punishment. But Jesus is saying that you resist not evil. That means that's not how we in the kingdom of heaven should respond. We should not take on personal vengeance towards somebody who hurts us. Right? And again, we, we pause it because I know that's, that's hard for us. Somebody deliberately, on purpose, did something to hurt you. Don't take it personally when we come back and we're going to retaliate against them and take vengeance on to them. God said, vengeance belongs to me. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So he's teaching us here how to respond to those evil acts, Right? But again, I made this point clear. This does not negate the, the legal system or the, the justice system for crimes that have been committed. That means whatever commitment, you know, whatever action you take, you know, let the court sort it out. But I'm not going to hold a personal vengeance against you. I'm not going to recompense evil for evil. I'm going to overcome evil with good. And how I'm going to do that, we said before last time, that forgiveness is the key. You have to forgive because if I can forgive you, then I can respond to you out of expression of love or charity against someone that hurts me. Right? And that is so important. And then we looked at our master, Jesus, who, again, who's the king, showed us how he responded to those that hurt him. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Right? When they said things about him, when he, when they, when he suffered, he threatened not. Right? But he committed to himself, to, uh, to him that judgeth righteously. And that's what we need to do. 
So now that leads us into where we're going to begin the new information for tonight. All right, so let's go back to verse 42, uh, Matthew 5 and 42. It says, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Verse 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, and do ye more than others, do not even the publicans so? But ye there be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So we see here that Jesus is very clear about his teaching, right? He said, the law you have heard in old time, right? That thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Now, this is an interesting comment, right? Because love thy neighbor, we've read, we've seen. Hate thy enemy was never in any context we ever read. So hate thy enemy was added by the religious leaders in this time, right? It's amazing how, how things you know, how the word of God, you know, kind of changes, right? We put our own spin on it. Hate thy enemy was never attended. God never said these things, right? He said, love your neighbor. But all of a sudden, hate became in there. Hate thy enemy, right? Look at this in, in Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19. <clears throat> the book of Leviticus 19, verse 17. Leviticus 19, verse 17. It says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. See, this... this concept of hating thy enemy is, it was interesting how that got introduced and it's amazing how things get introduced and also it becomes part of the, the commandment that was not God's intentions right God is not a God of hate God is a God of love and as those in the kingdom of, of heaven we ought to be following our God and his example and following our king love those Right? Love our enemies. We got to show forth love to our enemies. So that's why in verse 44, Jesus says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Right? Because remember, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, all of a sudden, if we use hate, all of a, that's not going to be the fulfilling of the law. But remember, love is the fulfilling of the law. And Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So we're going to stay with love. Even for those that oppose us. Even for those that we consider to be our enemy. Even for those that have done us wrong. That has offended us. We're going to love them. You know, again, that's, that's a powerful statement about loving your enemies. Because when it comes to our enemies, we, we justify why we hate them. We justify why we have ill you know, feelings towards them and show retaliate against them because they're our enemies. Hey, you again, eye for an eye, two for a two. But you came against me. I'm coming against you. You came against my family. I'm coming against your family. You said this about me. I'm going to say this about you. See, it's a heart out of, out of hatred. But our heart's got to be pure towards God. So we've got to learn to love our enemies. Now look at this. How do I love my enemy? Look at this in Luke chapter 6. The book of Luke chapter 6. Teaching us how to love our enemies. Love them. Right? You know, and I'm going to tell you like this. When we read these things, you, you'll see. We read in Matthew chapter 5. You know, love is, is an action word. 
You know, it's easy to say, I love you, brother. I love you, enemy. You know, say it, but there's no action associated with it. That's not love. That's lip service. Right? Your heart, if you love someone, it should show forth the actions of your love. If love is born out of your heart, I'm telling you, you're going to respond with action. That means you're going to put your hands to something to show your love or express your love towards somebody. All right, so Luke chapter 6, look at this in verse 27. How are we going to love our enemies? Luke chapter 6, verse 27. It says, But I say unto you, which hear, but I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. you get action. How do I love my, my enemies? I'm going to do good. You know, it's that do word. You got to put something in action. I'm not going to say good things. I'm going to do good to them. Do good. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Right? So out of your mouth, you are cursing me, but out of my mouth, I'm going to bless you. Yeah, I'm not going to, hey, you know, don't allow your enemies or anybody to draw you into this tit for tat. You know, Again, you say something, and I'm going to come back at you. Now, I mean, don't allow them to draw you in. Even your enemies. Bless them. <laughs> Bless them that curse you. Pray for them who despitefully use you. And unto him that smited thee again on the one cheek. You see, he lumped all this in here by love your enemies. Him that smite thee on the, on the one cheek, offer them the other. And him that taketh away that cloak, forbid not to take that coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Look at that, right? Verse 31. As ye would that men should do to you, that's what you should do to them. Including your enemies. Show love. Show love to your enemies. Verse 32, For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. You ain't done nothing. If I only love those that, that love me, sinners can do that. Sinners know how to love their own. But to love your enemies. You know, Christ loved us when we were yet sinners. He died for us. He's given us the example. Verse 33, And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thing have ye? For sinners do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thing have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain. Again, you see this response about how to love my, my enemies. It's going to be out of action. I'm going to give. I'm going to pour out to them. Verse 35. But love your enemies and do good. How many times you got to say that? Love your enemies and do good. Amazing. Love and good is in the same sentence when it comes to your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to your enemies. And land hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest for in the kind unto the for he is kind unto the unthankful and unto the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your father also is merciful. God is indeed showing us how we should conduct ourselves, how we should respond to our enemy. Love them. Do good. That means I can land, I can I can I can give my enemy something without anything in return. I love that. Can you lend to somebody, you know, that you, you like, right, and not expect anything in return? What about your enemy? Can you lend to them? I like, you know, you say, well, I thought you said lend. That means they owe me. No, just give it to them without expecting anything in return. That means I'm not going to rash you. Hey, you know you owe me. Right? How come you didn't pay me back yet? No, here, here's the thing about giving, right? You, you'll get to this place, right? You have to learn that whatever you give, you can be able to let it go. If you're giving stuff that you need to have stuff back in return, then that's not giving. 
Right? You have to learn to give to this letter, especially when it comes to like money, cash. Right? If somebody says, "Hey, you know, can I borrow X number amount of dollars?" If you if if you like, well, hey, I need the X amount of dollars, and don't, don't even give it to them, because you're gonna be hounding them for the X amount of dollars. But if you get to a place where, hey, here, you got it. And if they pay you back, fine. If they don't pay you back, fine. I'm not looking for any payback. I gave it to you. Because then he said, your reward should be great. You know why? Because my heart is right towards my brother. My heart is right towards my enemy. I've learned how to love my enemy. I'm going to tell you, that'll get your heart right real quick if you can give to them. Your enemy. And some of y'all have been feuding for many years. And you think about ministry, you think about church, you think about, you know, conflicts we have in ministry. I'll say it like that. You know, when people be, uh, that are around, that grew up together in church, right? Especially when you see, like, families that grew up together in church. They had children that grew up together in church. And, and they, it was amazing. If their children were part of the children's ministry, they always remember the teacher that got on their child. Right? And they start holding that grudge. And the child is like, you know, 30 years plus, and they still talking about, well, the teacher that's still in the ministry... How they picked on their child. So now whenever that person says something to you, you have a grudge again. You know, your heart's not right towards them. Then how can you love them as your neighbor, as thyself, when you have a grudge against them in your heart? See, I'm telling you, forgiveness is key. I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the past, you learn, learn to let the past go. You have to learn to let it go. You know, we're so quick to bring up the past about what people have done to us or done to our family for justification. What do you want them to do? I just want them to apologize. What if they never do? You got to go on. Stop looking for justification for what people have done to you. Because I always think about this. Just remember what you've done to God. Think about how you broke his commandments. How you're guilty for him. But Christ still came to forgive you. So I must forgive for Christ's sake. And that deals with our heart. So we got to get to a place where we can give towards our neighbor. Give towards our enemy. Love them without expecting anything in return. Again, that's why I said last week, like, you know, do it anonymously, right? Because if you give something to somebody anonymously, they don't even know it's from you, then of course you don't expect them in return because they don't even know you gave it to them. You know, the burden's off. You ain't got to look at them funny. They got to look at you funny, you know, like, hey, you know, the time has passed. And then, and then all of a sudden they haven't said nothing about the money they owe you. And, you know, it's that, it's that unseen comments or unseen, you know, friction that's going on. And then you see them go buy some. You're like, wait a minute, you buy, you ain't pay me back. Are you buying some? And don't go on a, you know, a, a church outing with them, a shopping trip or a men's fellowship, right? And, and they owe you money. And there they are playing golf and all this stuff. Or they go out there shopping with the ladies. You're like, they owe me. They ain't said nothing. And they ain't buy me nothing. And I gave to them this. I gave to them. See, I'm, your heart is not right. You have to love your neighbor as thyself. Love your enemies. You cannot have hatred in your heart. That's called the work of the flesh. I mean, we ought to operate out of the fruit of the Spirit. Get hatred out of your heart. Hate's going to lead to bitterness, and bitterness is going to bring ruin to your very bones. You've got to be free. All right, turn back to Matthew 5. All right, verse 44 again. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Again, how are we going to show our enemies that we love them? It's going to be by action. We're going to do good to them. We're going to bless them. Right? And remember, we talked about being blessed. What do we mean by bless them, right? We talked about being blessed. You know, in the kingdom of heaven, you are in that blessed state. Right? Remember, that's part of you. Hey, we, talk, we read that in Matthew 5, the first, first uh, 12 verses about you're in a blessed state. Well, bless them. You know, in other words, we should have the same attitude that, hey, I'm in this blessed state because I'm in the kingdom of heaven. I want you to get there too. 
I want you to become part of the kingdom of heaven. So I've got to show you the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Show the goodness of the Lord to your enemy. To get them to a place where they're part of the blessed state that you're in. You know, they talk about misery loves company. Hey, blessed loves company too. It's good to be in that blessed state. The more, the better. So that means I need to show and express the goodness of the Lord to my enemies. To get them to that blessed state. Look at this in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, start in verse, let's see we'll start here. <laughs> we read some of this last, last time, we're going to read a little bit again this time. <laughs> let's start at verse number 9, I'll just read this. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Let's uh, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Jump down to verse 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place, uh, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will pay, saith the Lord. Verse 20. Therefore, if who? Thine enemy. Hunger. Let him go hungry, right? Feed him. You know, I mean, it's very clear. If thine anger, I mean, that, if thine enemy, excuse me, is hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, how are we going to demonstrate love towards our enemies is action. If our enemy is hungry, as me as part of the kingdom of, of heaven... I'm obligated to feed them. No, I'm, I'm pausing on purpose because I mean, let that sink in. You are obligated. You're expected to. To feed them. Your enemy. Oh, hey, that's what they get. They need to go hungry. That bad that they treated me. I'm not giving them nothing. I wish I would spend my heart on my... We got, I mean, we, our whole facial expression changes. I think we're going to give to somebody that did something to you. Feed them if they're hungry. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And again, remember we just read in, in, in uh, Luke, you know, the same measure likely that you have, you want people to measure onto you, you give it to them. That means I'm going to give you something to drink. It, it may not be just water. I may give you something that I like to drink. Something nice and cold, cool, a little bubbly. Something you like, give it to them. In other words, the same way you want to be treated, you treat your, your enemy that way. So they're hungry, give them a nice meal. You know, a meal that you would like. You know, some meat and potatoes. It has some substance to it. Oh, okay, I feed them. I'll just give them a little crackers and juice. No, this ain't communion. Give them something that has some substance. I'm telling you, because we, we, get, we get, hey, that's about the legalism. We, we get real legal. Well, I gave them something to eat. No, you didn't. That wasn't, that was nothing. See, I'm, I'm making sure you understand what this means by love your neighbor. Love thy enemy. It takes action. All that lip service means nothing. You gotta feed them. And I like that. You know, feed them means you gotta. You may have to go to them. You have to go to your enemy and say, "Here you go. I got you this. Feed them. Give them drink." And it says, "By doing so, you shall heat coals of fire on his head." Coals of fire on his head. What it's saying here is that when you repay evil with good, it brings your enemy to a place where they repent. That's how you reap, uh, uh, heat coals of fire on, on someone's head. Because you repay evil with good. It brings them to a place of repentance. Because they're going to look at you real funny and strange. Like, what? what are you? They know, like, what? Something's going, what? And then you continually do it. You know, that's the thing about it here, too. It didn't say they're hungry one time to feed them. Uh, what if they, the next day they're hungry again? 
No, we are. Lord, I did it. I fed them. I did what you said, God. Right? But not only feed them, what about feeding the children? What about feeding the whole family? Then come back the next day and feed them again. Then do it the next day. Feed them again. See, you're paying evil with good, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to get to a place where your, your enemy is going to get to a place where I need to repent. Again, about being the light of this earth, right? Let your light so shine that the men shall glorify God from your good works. These are the good works. When you can love your enemy, that's a good work. That's showing that you are the light of this world. See, all these applications, you know, one thing we say, oh, you know, thank God, you know, the king is teaching us how to be in the, you know, what our responsibility is being in the kingdom of, of heaven. Exactly. You have a responsibility. In that blessed state that you are in, Bring forth application. Love your enemies. That's your new neighbor. Overcome evil with good. Be careful who you walk around and say that I don't like them. Or if the person you don't like, you should be feeding them every single day. Giving them something good to drink all the time. That's how you bless them. For again, the same goodness that the Lord Jesus has shown unto you that brought you into the kingdom of heaven, we ought to show that to others to bring them in. When Romans 12, turn to Romans 5. Because maybe you've forgotten where you were at. Romans 5. Look at this in verse number 5. Romans 5 and 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some even dare to die. Verse 8, But God commended his love towards us, in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved by the wrath through him. Verse 10. Here's where you are. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Again, while you were yet enemies, God went after you. So now you're part of the kingdom of heaven. You need to go after your enemies. Just like God went after you when you was his enemy. See, I'm telling you, this is what it's all, it's a hard issue. That's why, that's what's talking about the fulfillment of the law is, is through love. That's why everything is hung up on those, those two commandments. You've got to love the Lord God with all your heart. And love that neighbor as thyself. And my enemy, I can love him. Because this is God, when I was enemies to him, came after me through the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem me. I'm going to go redeem my brother. And my enemy is my brother. I'm going to love him. And I'm doing it without expecting anything in return. They don't owe me nothing. I can give to them. I can minister to them. I can, you know... Feed them, and they don't owe me not one thing. They may not, don't. I'm gonna say what they don't. Owe. They don't even owe me a thank you. I'm free. Cause that's how good my God has been to me. See, those are in the kingdom of heaven. So our neighbor are those that we express the love of Christ to. Right, our neighbor are those that we express the love of Christ to. You know, we read here, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. We'll express the love of God to your, your, your neighbors. Right? And our enemy is our neighbor as well. So that means i got to express the love of God to my enemy. We are to love our enemies as our brother. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. I hope you understand. I mean, on purpose, I want to spend some time on this because it's so, 
you know, these statements that the, the king makes, that Jesus our Lord makes, is phenomenal to me, right? Love your enemy. He comes out, there's no gray area. Love your enemies. And we walk around and we, you know, we can love those that love us. I love those in the body of Christ. What about those that are outside the body of Christ? Can you love them? For God so loved the world that he gave. All right, so again, we see that our enemy is our neighbor and we should love them. Pray for them. Bless them. Do good to them. Then verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain unto the just and the unjust. Now here's where he made another turn. Here's a shift in the conversation in Matthew. He not, now, instead of calling us the children of God, he calls us the children of the Father who is in heaven. It's amazing. It, it, it took us to get to the place of loving your enemies. Now he said, now if you do this, you're going to demonstrate that you're the children of, of your Father. And he says, why? Because your Father in heaven, he lets his son rise on the evil and the, the good. He sent rain on the just and the unjust. That means he's telling us we've got to follow our Father's example. But he's using Father to, to help reveal God to us. That is so amazing. God reveals himself to us as Father. Father represents an intimate relationship. Your Father. You know, Father, a Father loves his children. A father loves his children. And he wants the best for them. Now here we are. Think about this. He's, Matthew the king is showing us that God is our father. Our heavenly father. A father that loves us. That wants the best for us. That has the best intentions for us. And now we think about a father. A father represents authority. A father represents protection. A father represents guidance. A father represents depositing of instruction. That's a father. It represents those things. A father represents counsel. And all these things a father is telling you how to behave yourself. A father will give his children instructions, counsel, guidance on how you need to behave yourself. And he'll tell you, as being part of this family, this is what, how we conduct ourselves. A father will tell his children those things. You know, before you go somewhere, before you're out in public, you know, your father sit down with you and say, hey, I know my dad used to sit down with us, you know, as children, and we go visit a relative, or we go to somebody's house. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, don't ask for nothing. He said, even if they offer to you, say, no, thank you. My dad said, don't ask for nothing. You smile, you speak, you, you look them in the, in the eye, you shake their hand. You walk in that house, you sit your tail down. You don't go running up. And I mean, my dad, he, hey, he laid it all. I tell you what to do. And I'm going to tell you, you, you act a fool if you wanted to. When you go in somebody's house. Because you may not make it home. But a father, you know, he gives you that instruction, that guidance. On how to behave yourself. And here he is now, referring to God. God Almighty is now, we're children of our Father who is in heaven. And now as children, we've got to follow our Father's example. And I'm going to tell you, from this point on, you see the whole tone of discussion changes. He is now speaking to us as a father would speak to his children. So verse 45 again, he says, if you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on, on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain unto the just and the unjust. Now here's a father saying, telling you, as children, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Now, get, get, that's a father telling his children counsel. Don't love them that just love you. What reward do you have? To get? He's giving them example after example, how you need to behave. A father is showing you how to love. 
A father saying, verse 47, if you salute your brother only, what do ye more than, than the others do? Not even a publican. He's telling, hey, you part of the children of, of, of me, of, the, of, the, of, the, of heaven, right? The children of the heavenly father. This is how you need to conduct yourself. You don't salute your brother and only. Remember, I, 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 I cause the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. Again, a father is speaking to them out, out of the council as, a, as children. How to behave yourself. Conduct yourself as children of the Most High. See, we want to go brag about how we're in the kingdom of heaven, but how are you conducting yourself as being in the kingdom of heaven? Follow the Father's example. And like I said, He comes with this right after loving your enemies. That shows that you are the children of the Most High when you can love your enemies. That's why in verse 48 He says, Be perfect. Even as who? Your Father which is in heaven, is perfect. Follow the Father's example. Being perfect. What does perfect mean? How you conduct yourself. How you respond to those that you come in contact with. How you respond to those that are your enemy, that are your foes. How do you show love towards one another? See, I'm following the Father's example. My Father. My Heavenly Father. I'm going to follow his example. So he's now teaching us as children receiving counsel from their father on how to behave themselves. I love, I tell you, this book of Matthew has been so enlightening for me. He, I mean, it's so subtle the shift that he's making now. Showing us that we have a heavenly father who cares for us. Intimate relationship. And as children, you know what our, our heart should be? It's to please our father. I should have a heart to please my father. Why? Because he's laid it all down for you. You may think about, hey, God sent Jesus for your behalf. Think about it. God the Father sent Jesus for you, for the children, so you can be saved. We read that in Romans 5, right? When God commended his love towards us. Through Christ. What kind of father we have? He wants to see you redeemed. Again, you, in other words, your father's not out to get you. He's not out to hurt you. Our Heavenly Father is here to help you, teach you, guide you. So now we're going to see his commandments. You're going to see his instruction. You're going to see a shift now about how he's teaching us from a father's perspective to his children. And again, we've, we've learned these things in his ministry. And I just want to go over this again because I thought about this when I was reading this and thinking about a father and how, you know, we talked about being the adoption of children, right? We, we talked these things in his ministry about the adoption of children. Look at this in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me go there. Ephesians chapter 1. I think some of us forget how good God is and how we need to acknowledge him as our Heavenly Father. What he has done. How he has revealed himself to us. Ephesians 1. <clears throat> starting at verse number 3. Ephesians 1 and 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. In heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable in the beloved. So we're part of that adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Right? We are now accepted in the beloved. We are now accepted in the household of God. And again, that adoption of, of children refers to the placing and the positioning of the nature and condition of true disciples in Christ. 
by receiving the Holy Spirit through salvation into their souls, thus becoming the sons of God, one born of God. That adoption happens. And when we say adoption, don't get in your mind thinking about American adoption. You know, this is when, when Paul talks about these things in Ephesians around adoption, think about these things how, how in this setting, right? For adoption is, is something, once you have a child that's been adopted, they can never be removed from your family. Right? It's, it's like they are legally, you're legally bound to that individual. They're there. There's no removal for that person that's a, that you have adopted. That's what God said. Once you have been engrafted in, you, you will belong forever. And then we look at the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption means the Holy Spirit that places us as believers into God's family. Again, by the Holy Spirit, we've been placed into the family of God. Right? That's what we can call Him Father. That's what we can call Him Abba Father. The Spirit of God has placed us into His family for those that believe. God is so good. You know, we went from being in this blessed state and in, in the Beatitudes, and now we're part of the beloved children in the household of God. I mean, how awesome is this? See, we want to rock around talking about I'm blessed and highly favored, but hey, you're part of the children of the Most High. You need to conduct yourself as so. And that's what he's doing. He's teaching us these things. So again, verse 48, he says, the Father says to the children, be therefore perfect I'm sorry, I'm back in Matthew chapter 5. I'm sorry, Matthew 5 and 48. Again, the Father says to his children, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Mature. Your walk. Remember who you are. Look at this and we go to another passage. We go to Acts chapter 10 because, again, having our attitude that we need to have, we need to have the same attitude God has when it comes to people. Acts chapter 10. Again, this is Bible said. I know we went to a lot of scriptures tonight, but it's nothing like reading the Word of God and let it expound in your heart. <laughs> Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. I'm telling the Word of God, I said it, it is precious. Hear these things, get these things down in you so you understand that you are the children of the Most High. When you show that you can love your enemies or your children. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth, and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. I love that statement Peter says. Right? He said, God is no respecter of persons. So why are we? As children of the Most High, I, I am not going to be respectful of persons. God ain't. Again, everyone that, every nation, he that feared him and worked in righteousness is accepted with him. So why am I not accepting people? Why am I, I'm going to people and I, I see that in my mind they don't have value. Right? I'm putting my own value on them. You know, this group of people are less valuable than the other group of people. Or this group of people is more valuable than that group of people. But God has no respect for a person. Again, the same way you got into that blessed state, God wants everybody to get into that blessed state. Redemption is for all of us. For all those that believe on Jesus Christ, it's for all those. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. We all came in the same way. It wasn't based on your family, your heritage, your culture. You know, whatever you may thought, your skin color, none of that. It was based on your belief you had in Jesus Christ. See, again, I'm, sh I'm just showing you what the Word of God says about how we need to operate as children of the Most High. How we ought to love our enemies. Love those that, in our minds, we despise. You know, have you ever turned your nose up at somebody? You don't even know them, but you just see them and you turn your nose up at them. You ever heard that saying before? You know, that saying that you actually do? 
Because for whatever you despise them, you look down upon them. You're like, you know, they disgust me. But God is no respective person. How come you can't bless them? The same one that you turn your nose up at. Can you bless them? Can you pray for them? Can you feed them? Can you give them something to, to drink? See, be ye perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So now we get into Matthew chapter 6. And we see here, again, he keeps this same tone of, of teaching. Now he's talking to you as a father is to his children. So he says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He's going to talk to us about <clears throat> these areas in Matthew chapter 6. And we start with verse number 1. It says, take heed that you do your alms before men to be seen of men. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. You notice, he's making these statements again. Right? I like this. The whole tone of the teaching has now changed. Again, verse 1, it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, not to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He's telling us about how we should give. Alms represents our charitable contribution, our charitable deeds. The Father is teaching us about how to be givers. Because He gave. And He's telling us, don't give to be seen by men. Your heart's got to be right in giving. Verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Again, the Father is teaching you how to behave yourself as children of the Most High. Don't go about, you know, proclaiming all your goodness when it comes to your charitable contribution or your giving. He's saying don't publicize your righteousness. It's amazing how, how we can be. And you know, I'm a publicist, right? Look at me. I'm a giver. Praise the Lord. You're not a giver. I'm a giver. Oh, so you here now, and, they, and they're there. How you know they're not a giver? Well, they don't give as much as I do. How, how, how do you know? Because another passage of Scripture talks about how the woman gave two mites, and she gave more than the Lord, and so she gave more than anybody. So how do you know that that you're more of a giver than they are. Because where is your heart at towards God when you give? That's what he's talking about here. You don't give to be seen. You don't give for praises from men. He said, if you do so, you're like the hypocrites. And, and what, what, what is a hypocrite? Right? You know, I, I had to write some of these things down because it's amazing what God... You know, hypocrites... And we'll see this tone. This is, this is really the tone he's going to have in the book of Matthew chapter 6. He's going to compare those that, are, that have a heart towards him in, the, in, the, in their giving and in other areas and those that are hypocrites. So hypocrite are play actors. What do I mean by play actors? Hypocrites are putting on a performance for others to see with their very goal to get the praise and accolades from what they did. You're a hypocrite. You're a play actor. And we'll give you, hey, we'll give you applause. Hey, that was, that was a great performance. Oh, brother, you gave. You're a hypocrite. You play actor. You want everybody to see. And whatever charitable contribution you're doing, you got to let everybody know about what you did. You know, we talk about those, you know, go and feed your, uh, feed your enemy or help those. You're going to let everybody know, yeah, I helped out that brother. Oh, I gave that sister. I helped her out. You know, I'm, I'm that kind of, excuse me, I'm that kind of brother. <laughs> yeah, I fed their family. Yeah, I bought this for them. You know, during the holidays, you know, I brought gifts for their children. 
Oh yeah, you got, yeah, I got you. You got to publicize everything you do. That's a hypocrite. You play acting. You want the praise and recognition from others, but God rewards. He said, "You have your reward." I mean, when God says you have your reward, when you do that, that means God's not giving you any reward for that you just did. See, careful when you're looking for praise and recognition from others instead of looking it from God. God, in the sense of your heavenly Father. See, a Father knows how to reward His children. Come here, Father knows what's best for you. Again, we, don't forget we're talking about a Father's telling them how to conduct themselves <clears throat> when it comes to their behavior. And I want my Father's reward. That mess you talking about. Why? Because you know what? Here's the thing about your Father. Your Father's always it's an intimate relationship. You know, your Father will always be your Father. He's there. So that means he, he, he knows. He knows me inside and out. He knows how to reward me. And that little praise and accolade somebody gives you from doing what you, you call it while you publicizing your righteousness, you don't want that. So again, the hypocrites are play actors. They're, they're putting on performance for others. And he's going to deal with these, these three areas that he's talking about how hypocrites show themselves putting on their, their performance. Right? He's going to talk about giving. He's going to talk about in prayer, and he's going to talk about in fasting. You want to be seen of man when it comes to your giving? You want to be seen of man when it comes to your prayer? You want people to hear you praying? To your Heavenly Father. Saying all you know. Look at this. Matthew 6, jump down to verse 5. He said, When thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say to you, they have their reward. Again, he's talking about how you pray. Don't pray as the hypocrites are. Remember, you're praying to your heavenly Father. Why, when I'm praying to my heavenly Father, I want to be heard by men, seen by men? Jump down to verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites. Those play actors, they put on performance. And here's the performance of those that are fasting. I have a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Why when you fasting, let everybody know you fasting? Disfigure your face, you know, you're looking hungry, you're looking thirsty, you're looking like, oh... I'm fasting. Y'all pray for me. I'm on this fast. You have your reward? You know, the time of, of our fast, nobody should even know about it. Why? Because your fast is between you and God. And I say it different. Your fast is between you and God the Father. Your father's going to speak things to you while you're putting away or sacrificing or going without or whatever you're fasting during that time. You got to tell people about you fasting. Or, or, you know, body language tells them that something's going on so you can say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm fasting. So you can seem spiritual. You know, in other words, I'm fasting and you don't. See, I'm spiritual. You're not. See, I know how to pray. You don't. See, I know how to give and you don't. You're not going to be able to bless them with that attitude. That's how some people, you say, you, you know, you turn your nose off to them. They turn their nose off to you. Like, I don't, hey, I don't want nothing to do with you. And God's like, hey, they don't represent me. We got to check your, you know, your card, your, your birth certificate. I don't know what, what child you belong to acting that way. So again, this is the Father now teaching us how to behave. He's giving us counsel when it comes to our giving and our alms, when it comes to praying, when it comes to fasting. Learn to follow the Father's example. Because we are children of the Most High.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.